It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning and welcome again to our weekly parent call uh, for the Sunrise Project. We are super excited to, to have you all here with us this morning and once again hope that we all find this to be a special and sacred place filled with love and compassion and a desire to heal ourselves first and then our families um, and our loved ones. God, help us to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This morning, I'm super excited to have Dr. Julie Lopez back with us. Um, Dr. Julie is a speaker, a master clinician, and the founder of Viva Partnership, which is a mental health organization dedicated to sparking a mental health revolution. She is also the author of a book on implicit memory entitled Live Empowered, we Rewire Your Brain's Implicit Memory to Thrive in Business, Love, and Life. Um, as we all know, mental health advocates and trauma experts are inundated, including Dr. Julie, with clients as we have access to more inf information on the screens, uh, whether it's television, our phones, our computers, all the tragedies we're witnessing, the 100-year anniversary of um, the massacre on Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, um, the ongoing fight for justice for so many um, Black uh, and Brown men and women, um, and just the, the, the effects of this twindemic that we're all facing. And so this morning, Dr. Julie is going to share expertise and thoughts on post-traumatic 
stress disorder. She actually also is a recent student of Dr. Joy DeGru, um, who has written extensively and leads work on post-traumatic slave syndrome, PTSS. Uh, Dr. Julie Lopez and her team employ the PTSS model in her work as well. So she is going to work with us and speak with us today about how we can help ourselves and our families as we're dealing with the effects of PTSD and trauma. And just one additional side note, I was in a recent um, taping on mental health and uh, there was the host asked the question of the participants, how many of you have experienced trauma? And every single person raised their hand on the phone um, in the audience. And so, um, you know, it's not just you know, trauma from war combat, or, you know, there could be all types of trauma. And so that is what many of us are dealing with. And uh, Dr. Julie will be sharing and giving us some great advice on how we can work through it um, in our daily lives. So once again, Dr. Julie Lopez, thank you for being here. And I will turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Kelly. I, I love what you've created here and what you continue to create as a safe space for people to talk, listen, learn, and especially to share about things that um, might be hard to get an outlet for or hard to find space to actually talk about. Um, I'm going to, before we even get started, I want to make everyone aware that there may be content that I'm going to share that is triggering for you. It is definitely triggering for me. And because I'm a big proponent of safety and well-being, if you need to step out, if you need to shut things down, please take care of yourself first and foremost. And, and here's the other thing. Um, I spoke once before to the Sunrise Project about implicit memory, which is my big niche and understanding, which is this unconscious part of our system that holds data. And it may hold data from prior generations. Okay, that's part of implicit memory. It may hold memory from times before we have memory, like before we're three years old or even in utero, and it has an impact on us. So if you start feeling overwhelmed or nauseous or feeling um, badly about some of the things that I'm sharing, then that may be because it's stirring up stuff from like your deep unconscious and that is real. Um, I'm going to talk about it a little bit in scientific terms today, not, not in an overwhelmingly nerdy scientific way, but we are extending our vocabulary to where we can speak about what's happening in an intelligent way and really validate the experiences and the suffering that people are having. And so I just wanted to start out with that. The other thing, I enjoy the privilege of a white passing person because my skin and my features look a certain way. Um, I have a complicated past and so complicated. I have to write stuff down for my own family and my own history because I was born to a woman who was Mexican American slash native. That's my biological mother. My conception was through a date rape with a white man. So I literally hold this power dynamic in the fiber of my being. Um, I was relinquished given away kind of from my biological family and adopted at three months old into a family where my father's Mexican and my adoptive parents are white. So I'm like a hot mess of all kinds of trauma and uh, diversity, I guess. Um, but 
unlike some of my aunts and uncles who are very dark skinned or have a broader nose or different features, I pass off and I don't get some of the overt racism, even though I heard, witnessed, and saw the legacy and stories of my family. So I just wanted to share that by way of saying, well, first of all, the some of the material I'm going to present is not my material. I do not want to take this material away from a very strong, outspoken Black woman. Um, her name's Joy DeGruy, and I am a recent student of her course. She has a course. She has books. She has a workbook. Here's her book on post-traumatic slave syndrome. She's amazing. She's brilliant. She's an excellent orator. This is her work. This is her model. Um, she taught for two decades. She taught for two decades in a graduate program in social work out in Oregon. She's now retired from that and is a full-time kind of professional researcher and speaker. She's brilliant um, and very, very gifted. So I want to put that out there as an ally and encourage you to support her by purchasing the things that she's created, including some of her online workshops and things like that. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. So, um, so my passion for trauma is based on my personal story. So I um, have had thousands of clients who have been sexually abused because it's a part of my story. Um, I also do a lot of work within the adoption community for what the adoption constellation. So adoptees, adoptive parents, um, and birth parents, there's trauma. It's like a trauma cluster. I'm not going to go into that today, but I want you to know that's what informs my interest in implicit memory. And because I've been doing this for almost three decades, it has in the last decade really brushed up against intergenerational trauma because where is that stored? It's stored in our unconscious. It's stored in our implicit memory. It's modeled for us. And actually one of the examples I used before when I was a guest here comes out of an illustration that Dr. DeGruy shares in her course about how the legacy of slavery can come down in our everyday in an unconscious way where people don't even realize where it comes from. The story I shared then is about parenting. In this story, it's a current day mother whose son is doing really well. And when someone says, oh, you know, your son just did so well, she said, oh, no, it's nothing. Or, you know, really downplays his brilliance, his accomplishments, his tenacity. Because unconscious to her from long ago, having a child or anyone in the family that stood out as exceptional meant they were going to be taken away, meant that they were going to be sold off, meant that they might be beaten or lynched. And this was a survival strategy. And the survival strategy was being passed down by generation in a behavioral adaptation to a terrible threat of trauma, right? Which is what our bodies do to adapt. 
Dr. Joy tells another story about when she was speaking to a group of people and asking show of hands, how many of you, you know, were spanked or whipped as a child? Like, you know, got the switch, have heard the, have heard the expression, spare the rod and spoil the child. And she said, everyone raised their hand. Oh yes, you know, this, <laughs> is what, this is what we do. And then she asked again, this is a group of, you know, hundreds of people. And she said, um, how many of you had the experience where you, you have the kid go out to the yard, bring in three switches and pick the one that they're gonna get their beating from. And they all, more people laughing or knowing the nods and stuff like that. And then she goes on and she said, and how many of you took those three switches and braided them together? And she said, things got a little less comfortable and people were like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. She said, and how many of you wet those switches so the welts would be like stronger and firmer? And she said, then it was like complete silence and discomfort because what she was illustrating again was an unconscious way that slavery and whippings were being taught as a way of relating to children, to the next generation. Unconscious, unintentional, 100% brilliant, smart people in the audience who knew slavery bad, lynchings bad, all that stuff. Yet the stories of how to relate and to keep things in line came right out of this horrible legacy of slavery. So I want to tell you that my intention for being here is not to traumatize anyone. I want to talk mostly about healing, but what I'm going to talk about is so complicated. It is multi-generational. It's also multifaceted. It is not a simple Eurocentric kind of healing model of one individual kind of healing themselves or even going to therapy, like the one-on-one -on -one traditional kind of model. It is about a bigger problem in a bigger cultural context, right? It is about the individual, but is also about the world we live in and the legacy that's inherited of genocide, of trauma, of familial displacement, and so I'm gonna talk about her theory of post-traumatic slave syndrome. I also wanna share a little bit about my orientation with trauma. Um, as someone who's experienced it, um, worked with it, done therapy with it for myself and then provided it for so long, I do not believe in the disordered way of thinking about trauma. I philosophically ascribed to a trauma-informed model. And yes, I'll give people diagnoses from this diagnostic statistical manual. Why? Because of money, because of money, because of insurance companies, because they will reimburse when they have a little code on there. But that code historically comes from basically a census type of practice that was used in hospitals that developed this diagnostic statistical code. And all of the codes have these terms that are very pathologizing, that basically communicate something's wrong with you, like you were born broken or you inherited this thing and there's something inherently flawed in your makeup. I do not ascribe to that. What I think is that those collection of symptoms are good and valid but they come from experiences, whether overtly experienced in the present day or historically passed down or reinforced through the culture, community, and societies that we live in. And it's complicated. 
right? It's complicated. And it becomes even more complicated when we're socialized to accept something as true when it actually comes through a long lineage of racism, social injustice, hierarchical thinking about skin tone, facial features, culture, and it becomes very complicated. And there are normal reactions to that. There are normal ways of adapting. There are normal ways of surviving and our bodies are actually built to survive. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, but I want you to know, even though I'm gonna bring up stuff that may be triggering or upsetting that the intention, and I will spend, Kelly already told me I get the hook at a certain time so people can ask questions and discuss. Um, but my intention is around answers. And the answers I believe, and Dr. Joy speaks of extensively, have to come from within the African-American community. It is not my place to ascribe anything except for to share what I know and to encourage you, and I will, because I'm gonna share a couple of the steps that she shares about healing that have a lot to do with self-examination and not just self as individual, but historical. Like what is my personal history? What is the history of my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents? And a lot of the stuff has been lost or destroyed or disconnected because of slavery, but we all have a history no matter what whether descendant from slaves or not. And those emotional impacts can impact us and our children, and they do. And so a part of it is working to take out the pathologizing, take out the brokenness from vocabulary, start to understand with compassion, not because you know beating someone up or skipping school or just burning down the house is what we want for our children, but rather than pathologizing it, having an understanding of where it comes from, right? And that they're not criminals and that they're not um, depraved and deranged is super helpful to healing. Maybe someone on the call is gonna remember exactly which culture this comes from, but this always hit me. I think the first couple of times I heard it, I cried, but um, there is an African tribe that when someone does something outside of the societal norms, hurt someone, steals, like does something that's not approved of within their kind of loving community, rather than punish them or lock them away, they bring them back in and they sing to them like their song to remind them of who they are. Um, and I just think that's beautiful. And I think it's a great metaphorical type of way of thinking about healing, right? To help bring people back to their highest good and their highest essence. And it's all about that. So just by way of review, it is PTSD, although I don't like the D part because it's the disorder part. So I'm gonna just by way of review, tell you a little bit about what shows up when people have PTSD. And then I'm gonna blow that up into PTSS, which is so much more comprehensive and bigger. So first of all, this is when something happens that is overwhelming to the system that feels life-threatening or really damaging, first of all, by real or perceived threat of death. And death could be loss of life or it could be loss of self, like loss of integrity, loss of well-being. When that happens, what do our bodies do? The normal adaptive thing, they try to survive and our bodies tend to 
break the huge experience up into different pieces within ourselves. So it will be like compartmentalized. People talk about not really remembering something or having brain fog or being out of their mind. Sometimes when people have trauma from childhood, they literally don't remember it because it's encapsulated within our bodies. What happens? We try to make sure it never happens again. So our bodies, even without our awareness or agreement, categorize stuff, sight, smells, sounds, sensations, and say, oh no, avoid that. Never be in that place again. You know, uh, what, what might it be? We're talking so much about um, the criminalization of our social justice system, right? So never, never go over the speed limit, never drive a car, make sure you, I don't know, whatever, whatever it might be, make sure all your license plates are up to date and every other thing to avoid potentially being killed or incarcerated or something like that. That's an extreme example. It might be that it's a it's a smell, an association. Sometimes people just have a bad reaction to someone in the present moment. They don't know why, but it could be that their height or their weight or their manner reminds them of someone who hurt them before. So what is this? It's hypervigilance. It's like checking, 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 scanning, scanning, scanning to make sure you're safe. What does this look like? It ends up looking like anxiety or stress, panic. Sometimes people have it happen. They don't even know why because it's coming out of their unconscious. These are normal parts of post post-traumatic stress. And it can be nightmares, flashbacks, things like that. It's unprocessed material in our system that wants to come out, wants to be expressed. And why is that? Because our systems are awesome. They're adaptive. We want to heal. We want to get this stuff off out of our system. I see clients and they're like, oh, feeling so broken. I have nightmares every night, or I have these kind of intrusive memories. And yes, that can totally throw you off your game with work, with relationships, things like that. But it is also the body's way of saying, hey, we don't wanna carry this anymore. We wanna move this out. And there are lots of different tools and ways to do that that don't feel overwhelming or flooding. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Another main thing, which I definitely want to talk about, about what's classified as PTSD is avoidance. That makes sense, right? I've got thoughts that are super overwhelming. I'm going to drink. Just fuzz that all out. I've got feelings that feel terrible. Drugs, off, offline. I feel better. I feel like things are going to be okay. It's like a self-soothing. And guess what, everyone? We avoid stuff with more than just drugs and alcohol. Working, shopping, eating, exercise, gambling. It can be all kinds of stuff. It's just like fill my mind, fill my system, and I can, whoo check it out. So those are kind of the classic kind of PTSD types of things we see. PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome, is about all of that, all of the traumas, all of the traumas of racism, all of the trauma of living in a world that still has so many pieces of institutionalized racism 
and the social justice components and the legacy of slavery and the communities that we live in and the realities of the daily influx of racism on our system, of minimization of those realities, um, stuff that we see in the legal system, the criminal system, the educational system that are all loads on that sense of stress. So take what I told you about post-traumatic stress disorder and enhance it over time. Multi-generational trauma, how does that happen? I gave you a few examples that came right out of Dr. DeGruy's work. It can also be unconscious. I know I've talked about this in other guest speaking moments, but I'm gonna put it in context now, right? I grew up knowing that I could be cast out, right? I knew that story and I knew it and felt it. I was growing up with people who weren't biologically related to me. And so I myself had this like real, you know, like traumatic interior world where I felt like I had to perform. I had to not cause problems. I need to get A pluses in everything, not just school, but relationships. And so what happens? I do it. I try not to, but like with my children, I'm like, so worried they're going to be taken from me. I still have nightmares about like something terrible happening. I know we all have that as moms, but I feel like pieces of that are from my own history. I've talked about it with my children because my attempts are to supersede my legacy, right? But in my behaviors, even without words, they probably have picked up on some of my fears. This is how things get passed along from generation to generation. And like I promised, because Kelly says I have the hook in nine minutes, I wanna talk to you most importantly about the healing piece of it. Um, I told Kelly before we got on the call, I could talk about this for weeks on end, not, you know, without breaks. It's complicated. But here are the main components to healing, which is what I wanted to focus on. First of all, keep in mind, as you know, the practice of chattel slavery, so objectification of human beings, dehumanization, selling, trading, buying, punishment ripped families apart. It tore communities apart. Tribes were disconnected. And so the normal way, normal, pre-slavery pre of finding worth was on connection and contribution. All of that was torn apart. So the first piece around healing in a family and with ourselves is to reconnect to our sense of our innate gifts our innate talents, and to work to develop a connection to those things and to celebrate them, and to celebrate them, as opposed to this very disconnected, traumatized, fragmented way of being and connecting. Um, the second thing, and this is a lot about societal and institutionalized racism and specifically targeted mechanisms that undermine well-being. Dr. DeGruy calls this food for life, but it is literally about food. It is literally about nutrition. And the fact that fast food companies spend their advertising dollars in marginalized communities, put up their stores, McDonald's, fast food in places where 
BIPOC communities live and are looking to survive themselves, yet the food we eat impacts our mental health. It impacts our well-being. And so it literally has to do with up-leveling the goodness and the wholeness of the food that we're eating as a means of enhancing mental health. Um, the third thing she shares is that through slavery and through this institutionalized racism and racism in our uh, in American history in the last 400 years is that there is a learned helplessness, right? There is no future. There are no options. I'm talking now about slavery. And so the sense is that we just kind of follow along, that this is how it is, that we listen to a history that's Eurocentric. We know from research that in education, people learn by relating, seeing images, hearing stories that relate to their lives. And yet our education system is riddled with one story about a history and a culture that many people of color cannot relate to. And so a part of it is taking back the understanding of education and where those educational pieces come from and challenging it instead of just following along and not just with education, but all kinds of premises that we might've grown up with or taken for granted that come directly out of slave trade and slave thinking. The thing that she talks about is learned self-efficacy, and this is by doing, not just being told. So it's not just words explaining something intellectual, but actually watching and seeing how something can be done. She uses an example of, of a door that someone's guarding, and people see that if someone touches the door, comes to the door, they get killed, they get burned, they get hurt, it's been locked, and there's guards. But now, for hundreds of years, there's no guard. The door is un unlocked and actually it's even a little bit ajar yet no one goes to the door because they learned they learned the stories don't touch the door the door is bad the door is scary people die we have losses at the door but yet someone says hey there's no guard there's no lock it's open and they walk through and people are like oh someone walked through the door if that person walked through the door maybe i can walk through the door and that's the idea of the self-efficacy through modeling right? That there's a different way of being, that it doesn't have to be about crouching or contracting or hiding, that it's actually safe enough to be in the light and to be seen. I want to give a quick shout out to Kelly, who was a major player on the Crown Act, creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. That is a great example of a way of reframing our understanding of what is beautiful and what is okay and what is acceptable in the world. And that was championed through Dove. So hats off to Kelly for doing that. That was a great example of self-efficacy and, and doing in order to create a model for others to kind of follow through. Then the piece that everyone knows about. So this is why PTSS is so much bigger, right? Than this PTSD thing. It is the, the healing, right? It is the like, let's work through the nightmares, the flashbacks, the individual piece. Right. And and when you think of it in terms of the black community, it has to do with raising esteem, access to power, having pride in history and generational history. One of the things that she advocates for is doing something that's called a genogram, which is where you represent people in the family, you know, um, 
mother, father, children, grandparents, great grandparents, and take a look at and try to research and understand the strength of prior generations, right? It is an incredible strength and resiliency to get through and find ways to adapt. And so it's a process of kind of honoring that strength and truth while understanding there are different opportunities now. That is a crux of trauma treatment in general. It's like, okay, these are things I did to adapt. I never had any partners. I was sexually abused. I never had any partners. I never had sex with anyone because that was terrible. And I have all these triggers. It's like, okay, that was a way that you said stay for now. But if you want to have kind of a full and open and thriving life, not just a surviving life, let's work to take out some of those triggers, take the adaptation, honor it instead of blaming it. And then how can we be more adaptive for today? So another piece has to do with pride. So being disciplined with focus and energy. It is so easy. Kelly shared a little bit about what she's been doing the last few weeks. It's a lot of triggering stuff. It's a lot of super painful stuff that's part of our history. We have all those. We have all those news stories that are coming at us. We could sit and be depressed and eat donuts all day long because there's plenty of material that would make us feel that way. So the discipline is, how do I say, okay, I'm gonna honor this for five minutes. I'm not gonna forget, right? I'm not gonna blow it off. And I'm gonna whew, turn my focus to my health, to my exercise, to my diet, to my positive perspective. Because a big piece around trauma and the trauma symptoms is secrecy. Secrecy breeds shame. So when you put stuff in a dark corner and you don't like step into the light that's available for all of us, not the light like, oh, I forgot all that stuff and I'm just going to live in a make-believe land, like nothing, like there aren't super messed up things happening in our world, but we need our vitamin D. We need our metaphorical vitamin D to be okay. And so a part of that has to do with then working to reduce stress, engaging in activities that take stress down. Yes. Vicarious trauma is real. The trauma that we get by watching someone else be traumatized. You watch the news all day and you watch all this stuff all day. I promise you, you're going to start having heart palpitations. You are going to have trouble sleeping. You are going to want to binge eat. You are going to feel crappy. And so it's like, okay, this is a commitment, a discipline to give myself the nourishment I need to blossom and grow so that I can have pride in myself. That also includes financial health, right? Did you know that African-Americans are struggling in disproportionate numbers with overwhelming debt crisis from spending instead of like being disciplined with financial health. These are things that help us feel proud of who we are, exercise, health, nutrition, um, discipline with self-care. So the next step has to do with racial socialization. I talked about it a little bit before, but telling the truth about history really being able to recognize strengths of overcoming super overwhelming and hard stuff. Um, this is through education, being disciplined about the sounds and pictures and imagery that we're exposed to and recognizing that we all have been exposed and socialized to thinking that white is the best and darkest is the worst. 
and it comes in subtle ways and it comes through pictures and it comes through social media and it comes through media in general. And so being disciplined about that and recognizing that as a phenomenon, speaking about it and pointing it out when it's happening as a defense against what happens in our unconscious when we take all that in. Social justice and criminal justice, looking at that system. Um, many of you probably already know, but when slavery was abolished, it continued on in many ways by criminalizing people and then allowing them to work for substandard wages as a criminalized way of paying back. It was another form of slavery, just called something different. Right. And so understanding the truths about our criminal justice system, about the financial gain of that penal system and who's gaining from what um, and understanding that in context. Why? So that if you I know what the, the Sunrise Project was developed because we're worried about our children. But trust me, this has impacted our parents, ourselves and our children and empowering them with this data and information to be compassionate with themselves if they feel really angry or if they feel really hopeless or if they are, we talked about, I think the last time I was with you all, it was to talk about self-injury. If they're cutting or harming that there, our bodies naturally wanna get this stuff out. Another story that Dr. DeGruy told was about lancing a boil and hearing her parents talk about lancing a boil. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, you put and disinfect and then the, and she said it was really metaphorical that like the infectious material in the boil, cause you can't heal until that's out and then the skin can heal is all about this horrible, like mental, emotional, physical toxicity coming at the African-American community. And if you're not letting it out and talking about it, because a big piece was around, we don't talk about this stuff. We don't talk about it. This is what Kelly's doing. She's making a place to open up the toxicity, not have it live in shame, not have it have us contract in on ourselves and have a path to actually heal. And it sucks. Like having that stuff come out is so painful and hard, but then it can heal the right way, right? Without all this toxic material in there. Modeling is the ninth one. I'm gonna give time. Uh, modeling, so like with parenting, about parenting, how to parent in a loving, caring way, how to step away from that legacy of slavery and punishment and all of this like get in line and shut up and ship, shape up and all of that kind of stuff. Um, money, like I mentioned, how to use money. Money is nothing. Those papers are literally nothing. It was just a piece of paper printed with stuff, yet we use it for all this trade. And so having a healthy relationship with money as well as with ourselves, right? Like what it looks like to actually care for ourselves and love ourselves. And the last thing ties more into what I was talking about with the genogram, which is telling our own stories telling our own stories. I modeled that a little bit just by telling you what I've been doing with my children. My background is not pretty. There are ugly things that happen in my life and in my parents' lives. And just to take it a step further, because obviously my biological father date raped my mother, but if you go back, because my husband's, he's not a professional private investigator, but he likes to do that on the side, you see publicly that his father was a jailed kind of sexual assault predator. And I've connected with other family where that line has pride and you know great people in it, but there's a whole line of trauma and distress and sexual abuse that goes through my biological father's line. 
And that's real and it's painful and it's hurt people hurting other people. And it goes on down the line. And this is what happens with trauma. Not every person who is sexually abused, sexually abuses someone else. Not every person who was whipped and hurt, hurt someone else, but it is an outlet when you have no place to put the anger or to put the distress or put the outrage of the injustice, it's gotta go somewhere and your body's gonna wanna get it out. And it's not because you're a monster, it's because you've someone has lost their way from the center. I already feel overwhelmed um, just talking about this stuff. I hope I haven't overwhelmed you so much, but the last thing is about that history and having pride in survivorship. And that ourselves or that our parents, or our grandparents found some way to take this horrible stew of, of circumstances and get through it. And those are amazing traits when you start to tap into them. That's her model. That's her general 10 kind of components of healing. You can hear that within them, there's a lot of work. And she says that where we are today is a result of many, many generations and so she feels that the healing is also gonna take many, many generations of work and discipline and all of these things and really looks to you, to the community to be proactive and coming together to find those solutions. So I'll turn it over to Q and A. I appreciate being able to share a little bit of this material. And again, I strongly encourage you to read her stuff and hear her speak because she's a powerhouse. Awesome. That was really awesome, Julie, as you were talking and just now as you were talking about healing takes time, I was speaking with a gentleman who was a descendant of um, the Tuskegee study yesterday, and he said healing is not a microwave, it's a crock pot, and I thought, oh my God, that's so powerful, and it's such an amazing way to summarize um, exactly what you just said, you know, it takes time, and it takes uh, grace with ourselves and understanding of all of what you just shared. So I really appreciate that. Um, so grace, uh, grace is such a good word. Yeah. Giving ourselves grace. Uh, so critically important. Thank you for sharing all of that. I want to turn it over to anyone who'd like to ask a question or a comment um, on everything that Dr. Julie just shared based on PTSD and PTSS. I just wanted to, um, Thank you, because um, as I'm working, this program has really been so supportive, but it's also getting to the point where I'm interrupting the behaviors generationally with my mom and my elders in like, yeah, well, we're not going to say this, we're not going to do this, and just trying to interrupt it and understanding that I can't change them, but I can set better boundaries so that I can continue to interrupt the cycle and it's just been taking me a while and this has been very helpful. And this morning you really are speaking to me, <laughs> uh, to everyone, but I really felt really speaking to me because you know, one of the prayers that I've been dealing with, you're dealing with the abuse and those who abuse, you know, the abusers and the abuse and how do you stop a cycle? And so even though with my children, I've, it's never been a physical thing, but I, I'm able to catch myself in my anger in things that can say that would be considered emotionally abusive and catching it and just doing the hard work to interrupt those cycles. So to that end, I really just say thank you. 
And it is hard work. And you know what? We don't always catch it before it happens. It is so powerful to say sorry. And it is even more powerful if you put it in context and you say, I am so sorry. That was not okay. I said something that was super harsh and I'm, I'm horrified at myself. And I also know that this came from my parents and my grandparents, like to put it in context that I'm working to break the cycle and I messed up is awesome. Awesome. I I literally started doing that after you talked about that (laughs) from the last time you were on. So thank you. (laughs) Good. We're human. And some of these forces are bigger than us. They literally pop out of our mouths Our actions happen Mm -hmm. and they're unconscious. They're compulsive almost. And we realized like, whoo, after we went zero to 60 and then we're like, whoo, like, you know, a day later, like a few hours later, like, oh my gosh, I did that thing, right? It was like literally an instinct. And if you trace it back and quiet down and start to understand, that's how we find grace with ourselves that we can then model to our kids. Absolutely. Anybody else have a comment or a question for Dr. Julie? As you were talking earlier about the African tribe, then instead of sending the person away that may have done something that wasn't so great or whatever, whatever the action was, I got, that was a trigger for me. And it hit me like, oh my goodness, that explains everything. So Kyle, who's here, actually, I haven't seen him since Thursday, um, but his room is right below me and I see his shoes. So he's here, which is a blessing. But I was thinking as you were sharing, oh my goodness, it hit me. That's why he doesn't come home at night. He's terrified. We did that to him. We gave him PTSD by having three in-home intervention teams come and take him to different places on three different occasions. And the first time he went willingly, he had no idea what's happening. Three men are standing in his room at you know four in the morning. The second two time, the second time, and the third time was out uh, beyond traumatic. You know, because of course he fought like crazy, and his three huge men who clearly, you know, won and got him into the car and took him away. And so I was like, oh my God, that explains so many things, you know, why he's really scared of sleeping here because he doesn't know if that will ever happen to him again. It won't. And we promised him that and we apologized, but the PTSD from those experiences is, I can't, it's just awful. But the apology, you know, and saying we did what we thought was right at the time we apologize for what that harm, that harm that you felt. And we felt it too, to be really clear, like it's caused PTSD for everybody. Um, but that hit me as you shared that story, finally. Like, gosh, I wonder what's going on. Why wouldn't he come home ever? That's why, because it's not a safe space for him. So that just, I just wanted to share that. Well, that, I mean, I'm just so, so impressed with your strength, Kelly because what you just did is the anecdote to shame. Like that might be a story that would be hard to share, especially because you feel bad about it and you're da 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 da, but that's awesome because that's how we transcend this too. It's like, it's okay. We make mistakes. It's okay. We, I know you and I know in that moment you were doing what you thought was the best thing because you love your son. And I know that like with no question at all. And um you know, these are just really, really hard moments and we make mistakes and the grace and the beauty is in that apology. Um, I just wanted to share something else historical, which you guys may already know, but, um, you know, the United, the great United States of America did issue an apology for slavery. 
um, but it was without any reparations. It was an apology in words and no actions at all. And so when you're thinking about apologies um, for making mistakes or doing something you wish you hadn't done or stuff that might come straight out of this legacy of slavery of like learned behaviors that are, like I said, just unconscious. Um, it's also, and there's a whole other, <laughs> I don't know if this group would even be interested in it, but there's a whole other body of research on what it means to perpetrate a distressing thing on another thing and how you heal from it. It's called moral injury. You can look that up, moral injury and the work around moral injury. But it just reminded me of what you said, Kelly, because you were like, oh, it was traumatic for him. And it was traumatic for us even though you, you know, um, ordered the, the intervention, right? You were calling the shots and the way to heal from it has five steps and it's called moral injury. And um, what it's all about is kind of looking at something that you might've done that goes against your moral code. Um, and there are these different steps to it, but one of the more significant steps is actually um, doing acts of restoration. So if it's an extreme thing, like, like this person that um, I've heard speak who talks about being in war and killing people, which is, goes against his moral compass, it goes against his own moral code, but in his healing, he can't bring those people back from the dead, his acts of restoration have to do with then going to talk to other people and trying to help heal other people. So it can be symbolic. Anyway, it's a whole other topic, but life is complicated. These things are complicated, but there are ways to heal from it. Thank you. Dr. Julie, I just wanted to say, um, as you talked about the switch, and I thought about when my grandfather you know, made me go pick a switch and the switch I got wasn't big enough. And so he made me go get another one. And I remember one time just being so upset with my daughter and literally just spanking the heck out of her. And it's been weighing heavy on me. And today, just hearing you talk about this, it really is weighing heavy on me. And I'm feeling like I need to somehow or other, like bring up the conversation, even though it's, you know, 15 years later, but I feel like I need to bring that, have that conversation with her and uh, we need to heal from it. So thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm, I'm sure you are not alone. I'm sure of that. Um, and I think, you know, I'm just, you said it's weighing heavy on you. And when we take those things that are weighing heavy on us and do something about it, you're literally changing the conversation. And, and, and don't be surprised if your daughter's like, oh, mom, it was no big deal, or that was the past, or hey, whatever. If she blows it off, I promise you, your words will have an impact. And if you put it in the context of this talk or, or Dr. DeGruy's work or the legacy of slavery and how it kind of unconsciously or your grandfather or your father, da, 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 mm -hmm. um, I promise you that will inspire her too to look at what she passes on and that this is how we heal generations. So thank you. Really and I just want to say one other thing I shared with her just about three, maybe about three years ago, how she came into this world. And um, I just want to say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. This, your transparency today is just, it's in my cookie jar. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm reading between, between your words and yeah. um yeah, you are not alone. And honestly, 
just to share when I found out kind of about my conception, I was so grateful that I had worked already 10 years prior at the Rape Crisis Center in DC for five years. And I'd actually worked with a person who had had a child as a result of a rape and she hated the features of her child because it reminded her of her perpetrator. And it was Mm. so complicated, the work. And I had done that from a neutral stance as a therapist with compassion. And I just feel like that was like God's way of helping me deal with my own reality once I heard it later, Um, because it's hard, you know, it's really, these are complicated things, but they happen in life and people don't talk about them. They don't talk about it. They suffer on their own and don't get help with it. So thank you for sharing. I promise you, even on this call, statistically, there's someone else in your shoes. I promise you. And you don't have to raise your hand or do any of that, but that's the power of this space. And that's the power of groups because you can actually heal stuff just by hearing someone else and being like, oh, so-and-so and she's cool and she's strong and she's awesome. And maybe that means I'm okay too, right? That's the power of groups. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. There's a great TED Talk that also reminds me of this. We are the only country in the world, or we're the one of the only countries that sends our kids away when there's a problem. And I think he was talking about, he's from um, Holland, I want to say. We're in Holland. They practice the same type of practice as you talked about with the African tribe, where they get closer and they get, you know, really put their arms around a loved one that might be experiencing a mental wellness challenge or an addiction issue, instead of sending them away, they all come together. And in that particular country, the rates of mental illness and addiction and suicide are like significantly lower, super powerful. Um, But that also reminds me of what you said earlier about the power of connection and contribution, how critically important that is for all of us to remind ourselves. Like that's so important connection and how hard it is when we're mad or upset with our child, like to stay in that positive space of love. That's also so critically important too. Anything else anyone want to share before we close? This has been super helpful for me. Well, let me just say this first and foremost, um, Dr. Julie Lopez, thank you so much for being here. So appreciate you always saying yes. Um, and bringing such a wealth of knowledge and experience to us this morning and sharing those 10 steps for healing. Um, So really, really, really appreciate it. I wrote them all down and and as you were talking and you opened by saying that there might be something triggering. I was like, oh my goodness. So you did that with me. That was super helpful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And now we're gonna turn it over to Kelly Chapman to close us out in a prayer. Today, we are grateful for Dr. Julie Lopez. We thank you for her transparency. Lord, she came into this world in a traumatic way, born through the violence of a white man to her Mexican mother. But what the enemy meant for harm, you have turned into good. We thank you for her resilience, for her ability to adapt and survive her circumstances and to become a light in this dark world, to become a vessel and encourager and an informed trauma clinician to guide others toward healing. Thank you, God. Lord, we come to your throne of grace and mercy today. Often as parents of black boys, we operate in anxiety or fear. We tiptoe through life, not walking in the fullness of joy or power, but by living small, by biting our tongues, by remaining silent about our experiences. We have generational experiences that cause us to operate out of fear and worry. 
we often try to survive by avoiding the traps and pitfalls that are seen and unseen that we know are designed to harm us. And we come home frustrated, fearful, burned out and depressed. Today, we lay our burdens before you. Remind us to take the time to sit with our children in our larger family circle and celebrate our brilliance, our intelligence, our historical accomplishments. Help us to sit still with our loved ones and to create visions of the amazing legacy we can build for our future descendants. Help us to heal by acknowledging and working through our past and then creating a new beginning. Help us to become laser focused on our physical health, our inner peace, the beauty of our culture and the amazing things we can do. And we thank you that in due season, the past will go into the sea of forgetfulness. We trust you in advance. Amen. Amen. That was powerful. Thank you, Kelly. Really appreciate that today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will be back next week. Have a beautiful day. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time or email at info at nami.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.